Well, good morning, Rethink Life. You guys doing good today? All right, all right. Hey, do me a favor and give those that are watching us right now a warm round of applause and just thank them for joining us in our morning worship experience. And we appreciate all of you. And uh, I know my wife, Michelle, is uh, watching, actually. She and our uh, daughter, Ashlyn, are in Virginia. They're getting her settled for uh, school and college, which this is the season for kids going back to school, whether it's elementary school or middle school or high school or even college. This is the time of a brand new school year. And I just want to do something real quick uh, as I dive into the message, before I dive into the, the uh, message today. And uh, I just want to ask if there, if there are folks in our service today who are school teachers, uh, faculty members, uh, coaches, just anybody related to our school systems, would you please just stand to your feet real quick? Just stand to your feet if you're here today and remain standing. Just remain standing for just a moment and um, just remain standing. I want to take a moment and pray with you and over you. And I know uh, we also have a lot of students. And so I'm going to ask that if you are a student and you're going to be starting school back up tomorrow, would you please stand to your feet as well and um, just remain standing. Just remain standing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, I know that tomorrow is a very, very big day, a very special day. Many of you are transitioning, going into uh, maybe new schools or maybe into a new grade. And so this is an exciting time, but at the same time, it can be a little scary or uneasy time. And we just want you to know that we love you. Hey, we're with you. We're standing with you. And tomorrow, as you go back into your schools, hey, it's going to be an incredible experience. We're, we, we're, we are standing with you, and we are declaring this is going to be your best year yet. You, you, re, you re, receive that and believe that? Well, let me do this. Let me just invite you, if you would, just to, uh, in fact, one of, if, you're, if you're seated anywhere near one of these that are standing, would you just kind of maybe put your hand uh, maybe towards them or put your hand on their shoulder and uh, stand with me in prayer as we, uh, as we pray, pray for these. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these that, uh, Lord, are, are going back into the schools tomorrow, our, our teachers and faculty, our coaches, uh, Lord, our students, Lord, those who... Um, just, God, they're, they're fulfilling the call that you've placed on their lives. And God, we know that our public schools and private schools, God, are some of the greatest areas of impact we could ever, ever have. And so, so God, I just pray that you would put your hand of favor and blessing and protection upon them, God. And, and Lord, I just pray that this truly would be the best year they've ever experienced. May the best yet is still yet to come. May it be fulfilled in every one of their lives. For we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, awesome. You guys can be seated and uh, we're excited for what God has in store. And so with that in mind, you know, this is a, uh, a really a unique season as we are getting back into uh, kind of maybe, maybe the, uh, the swing of things as far as routines and schedules, school getting back uh, into session. And with that, because it's a new season, um, we really want to take this opportunity over the next uh, couple of weeks to prepare ourselves. If you were uh, here last week, we kicked off this brand new series called Soul Detox. And today is part two. If you missed part one, I really hope you'll go back and, and rewatch or maybe uh, just watch it maybe for the first time if you did miss it. And really capture uh, really the, the foundational message of this series. And the reason why that's important is because, as we learned, God made us into three parts. And in other words, when, when he created us, we are triune beings. In other words, we are made up of a spirit. In other words, when God created us, he created us in the very image of himself. So we are spiritual beings. But he also, within our spirit, it houses our soul. 
You say, what is the soul? The soul is our, it's our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions, our feelings. And so we also have a soul, but obviously we have a body. So we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. And so when it comes to getting ourselves in proper alignment with God's good and pleasing and perfect will, there are some things that we have to do. There are some things that we have to, in other words, we have to detox. We need to rid ourselves from in order to really align ourselves or maybe realign ourselves back into God's perfect and pleasing goodwill that he has for our lives. And so one of the first things we talked about last week is we talked about, and we used the analogy of Joshua, who, who was uh, the one whom God gave a new assignment and commissioned to go and take the people into the land that God had promised. The very first thing that Joshua did is he went back through the camp and he told the people, he said, to prepare yourselves, consecrate yourselves. Why? For tomorrow, God is going to do amazing things among us. And so that consecration, that purification process, in many, in many ways, in today's modern language, we might maybe use the phrase detox. In other words, we've got to purify our minds, our hearts, our spirit, our soul, our body, to fully prepare for what it is that God wants to do in this next season of our lives. And with school getting started, I'm praying that God is going to allow our students to make the greatest impact, our teachers and coaches will make the greatest impact than ever before. And in order for us to have that kind of influence and impact, we got to prepare ourselves. We've got to get ourselves ready, our spirit, our soul, even as it relates to our bodies. And in fact, next week, we're going to be talking specifically about the physical body. And what we're going to learn next week is that there are some things that we need to rid ourselves from, even when it comes to the unhealthy toxins that can occupy our lives, specifically even our bodies, and we don't even realize it. And so we're going to have what we call seven days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to call it seven at seven. In other words, we're going to have seven days, and at 7 p.m. corporately, as a church family, we're going to come together in this room, and we're going to pray at 7 p.m. Just for an hour prayer, seven days, seven nights, we're going to gather together, and we're going to pray, and we're going to believe God. And during that week, we're going to fast, and we're going to rid ourselves from things that maybe shouldn't be there. The things that maybe is hindering not only our fellowship with God, but maybe is hindering the power of God to be fully at work in and through our lives. In fact, the word detox actually means, or it's defined, the removal of toxic substances. In other words, things that are harmful, things that shouldn't be there, things that are truly toxic in every area of our lives. We just uh, physically moved, and so we've been up to our eyeballs and boxes just unloading stuff. And uh, as we opened up the garage door, and we were getting ready to move a lot of stuff in, uh, the previous owners that had lived in this house left behind all kinds of toxic materials. I'm talking about like paint cans and spray cans and, you know, gasoline and, I mean, just a lot of it. And so I was thinking to myself, what in the world are we going to do with this stuff? And, and so someone suggested we just need to kind of set some of it out and, you know, let it dry out, especially the paint and all that. And then, you know, you can set some of that stuff out to the, uh, to the curb for the trash. And so we had so much trash. We took all the stuff out there, and I took some of those cans and some of those empty spray bottles, and I actually put them in a plastic bag. Now, I know that's not – don't email me. I know I'm not supposed to do all the environmentalists. And you think, oh, I can't believe the pastor did that. Well, I tried to sneak it out there. I thought, hey, take it away. And sure enough, 
You know what they did? The garbage men came and they separated the trash from the toxic materials. You know how I know? Because they left me a note. They said, you do not put toxic waste with the rest of the garbage. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this stuff must be legit. I mean, it must be really bad. And when you think about it, it is. I mean, how much more, it, listen, if, if those kinds of toxic waste is bad enough for the, even the garbage men to, to, to not haul off, why in the world would we, would we want to live our lives in such a way where we are actually holding on to toxic things that should not be there, that are harmful and destructive and ultimately something that God never designed for us to carry in our lives. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, Paul the Apostle said these words. He said this, he said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. In other translations, it uses the word yoke. In other words, koinonia, the word fellowship is where we get the word fellowship. In other words, don't hang out, don't get too close, don't have too, too much close fellowship with unbelievers. Now, there's a fine line there. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. So there's a fine line. Don't get too close. Don't hang out too much. Don't, don't associate too closely with unbelievers to the point that you start thinking like them. You start talking like them. You start acting like them. Instead, Paul says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. And he goes on to, 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 to reemphasize, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Let me repeat something. This shopping center is not the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. Do you agree with that? It's always funny how people like to kind of get dressed up for him. All prim and proper, proper when they go into church. Oh man, I got, I got, I got to put, I got to put my Sunday best on, as though they're walking into some physical environment of the holy of holies. But yet we'll go out and live like the world, like we, it's like we don't even think twice about it. No, 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 no. We are the church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as God said, I will live in them and walk among them will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord, and don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then he continues a thought in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from Everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So in essence, what Paul the Apostle is saying is this. As brothers and sisters in Christ, as a spiritual body of believers, the church, we must separate ourselves from the things of this world, from things of culture, the things that we are so easily immersed in without even realizing it to the point to where it becomes toxic, to the point to where we become contaminated, to the point to where all the things that we see and hear, the things that we're exposed to suddenly pollute our spirit, 
get inside of our souls and even affects our physical bodies. So in order for us to live in freedom of all that, in order for us to be in proper alignment with God's good and pleasing and perfect will, which Romans 12, 2 says, then there are some things that we have to do to detoxify, if you will, some of the toxins in our lives. And there are just all kinds of things, when you think about it, that can contaminate, pollute our spirit and even our soul. Once again, our soul is our mind. It's the way we think. It's our will. It's our emotions. So what are some, th- what are, what are some of the things that can contaminate? Well, there are a lot of things. And I just want to give you quickly four. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Unforgiveness. I think if there's anything that's toxic that seems to permeate so many people's lives, it's a spirit of unforgiveness. Hebrews 12, verse 15 says it this way, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It's interesting how many of us allow resentment, hurt feelings, things that people have done, things that people have said, to suddenly take root in our spirit. It takes root in our souls. It affects our minds, our thinking, our emotions, how we feel. And when you think about it, what happens for many people, there is something growing inside of them. There is something that has taken root, and they don't even realize it, and it becomes toxic. Becomes unhealthy, it becomes destructive. And here's what's interesting. I've heard people say that unforgiveness is kind of like setting oneself on fire and hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. It's just crazy how we carry stuff like that in. And some of us carry it in different ways. Some of us are a little bit more explosive, and others of us are more quiet in the way we handle. The emotion of unforgiveness. But it is, it is toxic and it's something we need to rid ourselves of. Number two is comparison. You know one of the greatest dangers that we have today? Is this little thing we carry in our back pocket or our purse called a smartphone? This is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> I don't know why they call it a smartphone. But it's crazy because it has such an effect on our lives now. You know why? Because we are constantly comparing, we're swiping, we're looking, want to know as soon as we post something, how many likes we got, how many hearts we got, you know, how many bubbles are going up, you know. We, 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 and then, then we wait and we say, gosh, I don't believe it. we got 12 likes. I should have got more than that with that picture. And then we're comparing, you know, the other person's cruise that they're on. They're thinking, wow, it must be so nice to go to Europe on a cruise. We have to stay here and work, you know. And then, you know, we look at this person and what they just got. And we're constantly comparing. And, man, we're looking at this and we're looking at that. And we're always measuring ourselves with what something somebody else has got or something that somebody else is doing. Listen, the only thing that you need to focus on is what God says about you. Amen? Amen. Listen, it's unfair to compare. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's unfair to compare. Because when we compare ourselves with the things of this world, when we measure our worth, our identity, or what somebody else has done, or what they have, or what we don't, I'm telling you, it'll mess you up. It becomes toxic really, really fast. James 3 says it this way. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness, are not God's kind of wisdom. 
Such things are earthly and unspiritual, and listen to this, and demonic. For what? For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So for some of us, one of the greatest things that we could fast from, maybe next week, maybe we need to fast from social media. Another thing that becomes toxic in our lives is anger. You know, at the end of the day, what anger is? Let me define it for you. I want something, and I can't get it. And it makes me angry. I wanted that parking place, and somebody else got it. I wanted that promotion, and somebody else got it. I wanted a happy marriage until he came along. I want something and I can't get it. Therefore, what? I become angry. And so what happens is the anger becomes toxic. And we become, we be, we, listen, we, we become prone to carrying those kinds of toxins in our lives. I don't have time to read it, but you ought to write down James chapter 4 and just listen to what it talks about when it comes to the issue of anger. Something we have to rid ourselves from. And then the last thing is worry. So these are just some things that sometimes, the, the, listen, listen, the enemy can use to get inside of our souls. Worry. You say, what do you mean worry? Let me tell you what I mean by worry. When circumstances and situations, setbacks, unexpected twists and turns in life come along, and all of a sudden those setbacks and those twists and those turns suddenly derail our lives because of the circumstances and what happens now we begin to worry and why are we worrying because we're trying to control something that we have no control over and the thing that's so that, that is closely associated with with the feeling of or, or with the with the emotions of worry is what it's fear a friend of mine shared this the other day i thought this was so powerful faith and fear have one thing in common they both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet Choose to believe the best is still in front of you, not behind you. Amen? That's what we have to do. So we have to focus on what's ahead of us, not what is behind us. Don't allow worry, according to the Bible, listen to this. Don't allow worry to sabotage you and to corrupt and pollute and become toxic in your mind. Why? Because Jesus said this. Listen, he said, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? So if you're, listen, if you're focused on the temporal, if you're focused on the here and now, there's a lot to be worried about. But that's the reason why we got to focus on the eternal, amen? So let me quickly give you four things, and then I'm going to wrap this up as it relates to how to detox your soul. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. So what Solomon is saying is, hey, the single most important thing you could ever do is to guard your heart. Why? Because when we're guarding our heart from the things of this world, from the, from the polluted, toxic, destructive, harmful things of this world, when we're guarding our hearts from those things, what are we doing? We're keeping our spirit in alignment with God's will. We're keeping our soul pure from allowing it to become contaminated by the unproductive, unhealthy, negative, toxic thoughts, which leads to negative, toxic unhealthy, destructive emotions, which usually manifest itself through toxic kinds of behavior. So we got to guard our hearts from those kinds of things. 
So how do we do that? Number one, right relationships. Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked and you'll eventually become just like them. Students, tomorrow you're going back to school. Look at me and listen to me. If you could do one thing this year, find a group of friends that love Jesus and surround yourself by people that are going to help you grow and walk in wisdom and help you reach your true God-given redemptive potential. Don't allow some bonehead to stray you away. Listen, you walk with the wise, all right? And you draw close to God, and you associate with the right kind of friends, and you watch what God will do in and through your life. So we got to surround ourselves by the right relationships, and that's the reason why we're kicking off our life group semester. And can I just say this? Hey, today, as soon as we're dismissed, right across the hallway in our orange room, we're actually going to be teaching and training you how to set up successfully a life group. In other words, how you can host something, whether it's built around an activity, whether it's built around a topic, whether it's something that maybe you have just a shared interest in with, with another group of friends, but whatever that might be, here's what you're doing. You're using that time and that opportunity to grow in your relationships, but also grow spiritually. And here, I just want to say this. The most important thing, the most important thing, especially with this series that we're doing, is we got to learn how to walk in freedom. We got to learn how to live the victorious life. And some of us, yeah, we left Egypt. God rescued us spiritually out of Egypt, but Egypt still has not left us. We're still carrying around toxic, unhealthy, unnecessary baggage from our past and God wants us to shut the door to our past and to our yesterdays once and for all and embrace the future that God has for us and the only way that we can do that is through Christ-centered, healthy, listen, life-giving friendships and relationships. And we want to help you through that. In fact, there's a, a workbook that I would highly encourage every person to go through called Finding Freedom. And I just want to encourage, we'll walk you through it. We'll teach you how to do it. It's a powerful, powerful, I went through it with a group of guys um, this past semester. It's a powerful, powerful tool that I believe God can use you use in your life to literally set you free from a lot of the toxic things that you're carrying, not just in your spirit, but in your soul. It's affecting your emotions. It's even affecting some of the choices and decisions that you're making. So we got to focus on right relationships. Another thing that we have to do is we have to, listen, we, in order to detox our soul, listen, we got to have a God-defined identity. As I stated a few moments ago, hey, quit comparing your identity. Quit, quit, quit allowing the things of this world and what other people have, what other people are doing, their successes. Listen, what, how other people look, their appearance. Do not allow the mainstream culture, social media, television, all of the toxic stuff of this world to define who you are. You are not what Hollywood says. You are not what other people say. Listen, you are not what the world is trying to get you to believe. You are who God says you are, just like that song we sang a few moments ago. Listen, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't compare to the things of this world. Why settle for the things of this world when you can embrace everything that God has for your life? So we got to build our identity on who 
God says that we are. I love it. Galatians 6 verses 4 and 5 says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Hey, spend less time comparing and competing and looking to the things of this world and explore who God made you to be. Dive into that. Focus on that. You run your race. You be who God created you to be. You be you. You be you. Let what, listen, watch what God does. That's why we have growth track. Why do we have growth track? You say, man, that's just kind of like a broken record with that growth track. For some of you, you're listening to it, but you haven't taken the next step to actually explore who God says you are. And we help you through that process in growth track. And so I just want to encourage you, come next week on the 19th, 4 o'clock, growth track. Why are we doing that? For one reason, to help people explore, discover who God made them to be so that ultimately you can begin to live out your purpose in a way that brings true fulfillment in every area of your life. The third thing is this. We have to live a crucified life. So how do we detox our soul? Right relationships, God-defined identity. And we have to live a crucified life. You say crucified life, that's kind of, that's a little over-the-top analogy there. What do you mean crucified life? You mean I'm actually supposed to nail myself to a cross? Yes. Every day. Every day, every day when we wake up, we need to die to ourselves. Die daily, Paul the Apostle says. We crucify ourselves. Why is it so important that we crucify ourselves? <laughs> because there's some, listen, there are some things in our life that we need to put to death. There's some things that we need to detoxify. We need to purify, purify ourselves from. Listen, we need to get rid of some stuff. We need to put it to death. You know what I've learned about dead people? Dead people don't get angry. Dead people are not competing and comparing. Dead people don't worry. You know why? Because they're dead. And that's what Paul is saying. Die to the things that become unhealthy and toxic that the enemy uses keep you in bondage rather than living a life of freedom that he intended for you to live. Does this help anybody today? And we need this in our lives. We need this in our souls. So, so vitally important. Galatians 2.20, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. I love that. And then the last thing is this. Because these are the things we have to isolate ourselves from. And whatever those toxins are in our lives, whatever those unhealthy, destructive, polluted things are that the enemy has used to get inside of our souls, at the end of the day, we got to take our focus off the temporal things of this world. And we got to live with an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. You know, when we renamed our church, and we, we came up with the, with the phrase, rethink life. We did that intentionally, on purpose. And the reason why is because we want, every, we want everybody to stop and rethink two of life's most important questions. Who am I living for? And what am I living for? 
Am I living for myself? Or am I living for the things of this world? Am I living for Christ? Who and what are you living for? And so today, let me encourage you, whatever you do, don't focus on the here and now. Don't look at the temporal. Don't, don't, don't put too much dependency and trust in people and situations or circumstances and your job, even in your health and money or whatever it might be. Listen, don't trust. Don't put your dependency. Don't put everything you have in terms of your joy and your purpose and your fulfillment in the circumstances of life. Why? Because this world will fade away. That's why I love what Colossians 3, 3, 1 through 2 says. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what God, to, excuse me, to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective and that's how we should live our lives and that's how we live in victory taking the focus off of ourselves on the things of this world the temporal and fixing our eyes on Jesus my dad used to always say in fact he would always write in people's bibles keep your eyes on Jesus people and things of this world will let you down but Jesus never will. And I've learned that. People and the things of this world will let you down. But Jesus never will. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? That's God's plan. That's his good and pleasing and perfect will for our lives. Let's bow our heads together.